Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Chris Brown. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. I want to read a few scriptures. How cool is that song? We're going to sing that again at the end of the service. We're going to pray for people. Uh, I want to read a few verses. Um, and uh, I think they may come up on the screen for you. The first one is John the Baptist in uh, the book of Matthew when he's talking about Jesus and the ministry that he's bringing. And John said this, I baptize. Everyone say baptize. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me, after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now there's John talking about Jesus. And what's Jesus going to do? Baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then Jesus himself said this, recorded in Luke twelve forty nine. I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. So note that word fire. And then you get to the book of Acts. And at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus is preparing the early believers for how he would birth the church through them. And he says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. It says, uh, while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but he but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said... You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so this is all building up to the day known as Pentecost, 50 days after Easter, and we read this happens on that day. In Acts 2, it says the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. These are the believers. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this was the baptism of the Holy Spirit that John had spoken about, that Jesus had talked about. And, and in fact, when you read on in that chapter, you see Peter now so anointed, so immersed in God-given boldness that he preaches his first sermon and 3,000 people are born again. The first sermon of the church. And today is that day. Today is Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Easter. So it's a pretty good day to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because Jesus did. So I figure we may as well and figure out what he's talking about. I want you to notice three things about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'll try and mention the first briefly, and I want to spend time on the third one. The first thing, and it's still really important, is to note it's in the Bible. The baptism of the Holy Spirit really happened. It's there. We just read about it. It's God's will. It was an important part of equipping the early believers to birth the church, to be the church. And it still is an important part of God's equipping for all his followers and believers. Because the Holy Spirit comes. He comes to help us. And, of course, he comes at times quietly, the still, small voice, the inner witness. He's the comforter. He he brings peace. He 
he grows fruit quietly and gradually to develop our character and that's all good and it's all important but he also comes like he came on the day of Pentecost with power with fire with gifts that are noticeable with signs and wonders and of course speaking in tongues is the most obvious one the most uh obvious sign, a a heavenly language that God gives us to be able to pray to him directly from our spirit to his spirit, at times to prophesy with a a language that sounds kind of out there because it is a little extraordinary, a little beyond the ordinary. And then there's plenty of other gifts that we see in the New Testament prophecy and healing and miracles and words of knowledge and wisdom and it's all there it's all in the bible and uh and i say that because some people struggle with the whole concept the whole identity the whole understanding of who the holy spirit is a lot of christians are comfortable to talk about and understand god as a father like we sang this morning beautiful song god you're a perfect father jesus we get it Lord, Saviour on the cross. And then there's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit? I mean, even the title is kind of, doesn't make it sound like he's a real person. And a lot of people find him a little hard to understand. And then you start talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, that can rattle some cages. It can really offend our intellectual sensibilities when the Holy Spirit shows up. Because... We like to put God in a box. We like to understand everything about him. A nice convenient box where we can safely understand God. But of course, uh, we shouldn't be surprised that God is a little bigger than the boxes that we like to build. That we might not understand everything because we have an understanding of ordinary things. But God is extraordinary. He is literally beyond the ordinary. He can do whatever he likes, and he does. <laughs> and, uh, and likewise, we can live an ordinary life, but God's will is for us to have that extra, that extraordinary kind of life. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is one of the key elements, key God-given biblical ways that God's provided for us to have that extraordinary life. So it's, it's there. It's in the Bible. It's in God's will. Second thing to note is that it's an experience subsequent to salvation. Because these guys on the day of Pentecost were already believers in Jesus. And then when you read the rest of the book of Acts, you see at different times the same thing happening. People who are already followers of Christ, and yet then they get prayed for, and they get overwhelmed or filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they speak in tongues, and gifts start flowing in their life. And then since... Those times, right throughout history, we've had millions and millions of people having the same experience. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit is present at salvation. We don't ever say, oh, you know, baptism in the Holy Spirit, if you don't have it, you're not going to heaven. You know, some people have gone a little too wild and woolly with, with that doctrine. It's, it's, you know, Ephesians 1.13 says, we are sealed in Christ by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is there when we're born again. But... If we just leave it like that, we can live without being fully empowered by the Holy Spirit. And sadly, many people do. So we should be open and hungry for all that God has to offer. You would agree. I mean, if it's in the Bible, if it's in God's will, who am I to say, no, thank you, God. 
No, no, no. I'll have my little ticket to heaven, but don't get too pushy. Who do you think you are? Oh, that's right. You're God. Maybe you do know what's best for me. Really? And so, uh, as I said, we can get that, that extraordinary power. That's really what it's all about. The baptism of the Spirit is an, is an empowerment because being baptized obviously means the same word used for baptized in those scriptures we read in the Holy Spirit, baptizo. It's the same Greek word that was used when John was baptizing in water. So we are baptized in water as a sign of being cleansed, leaving our sinful life behind, being raised up to new life in Christ. And in the same way, we can be baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit, fully immersed in the Holy Ghost. And so we're empowered for God-glorifying ministry. That's really what we're talking about. Now, the third thing that I want you to know is that it is exactly that, empowering. And the best word that we're given in the Bible as a symbol of that power ongoing, constantly showing uh, the Holy Spirit moving in power is this word fire. Because they had fire was appearing above them as the Holy Spirit came. He anointed Jesus for ministry in the, in the form of a dove. And there's, an, uh, there's a whole message and meaning there about purity and, and, uh, and, the, and the, the character of the Spirit of God. But as I said, he also comes with power and with fire. And, uh, and and Jesus even, remember that scripture we read, Jesus said, I've come that there should be fire on earth and I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, not just with the Holy Spirit and with gentleness, Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, which, as I said, it's cool, it's very important. We've got fruit of the Spirit growing in our character. You read about that, there's a list of nine of them in Galatians and you can... You've got to press into that. But there's also power. We don't want to avoid that. And we want him to burn within us. Because, as I said, you can be a Christian without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, without the fire. And you can live a pretty dry, dreary, dull existence. Oh, you know, I should pray. I guess I should pray. I've got to go to church. Like that's, I get, you know, I'm... Oh, don't talk to me about witnessing. I feel guilty enough. Oh, okay, I should give. You know, I'm just, oh, I'd love to do that, but I probably shouldn't. I really sh- I really would love to do that, but I know I'll go to hell if I do that, so I really can't do that. You know, oh, you know, and, and Christian life can be just this kind of, oh, I know I should do it, but it's just not much fun, you know. That's not God's will. Jesus said, I've come to that you might have life and life in all its fullness, abundant life, full of joy and power and, 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 and life. And so that's fire. That's, that's something in our bones. That's the Holy Spirit on fire. And, uh, you know, right throughout history, people have noticed and reflected on the importance of fire. I love Martin's communion word and just the historical you know, knowledge and depth and mind-opening kind of stuff that brings. Um, Here's a couple of quotes from history. Plutarch, you'll all be very familiar with his writings, ancient Greek historian, he said this, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but it is a fire to be kindled. Beethoven said this, music should strike a fire in the heart of man. Ferdinand Foch the French general who led the Allied forces to victory in World War I was quoted as saying this, the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. Isn't that interesting? From a military general 
who knew the power of guns and cannon, but he knew, no, more powerful is passion and fire in the human spirit. But that's just at a natural level. I'm not just talking about excitement, getting stirred up. I'm talking about God-given fire, a holy fire. The Bible says God is an all-consuming fire. Now that's a powerful image because fire, as you know, is powerful when it's really given plenty of oxygen and fuel, like Canada's seen recently with those devastating bushfires, wildfires as they call them. We often have that in Australia in summer. You know, many years ago, about 10 years ago, Hudson burst into the front door as a teenager, Dad, Dad, and my first thought was, oh, please, why so loud? You know, I was about to rebuke him for, but he said, Dad, Dad, quick, come out here, up. And the next door neighbour's house, he had been walking past and he had seen this glow coming from their laundry and there was a fire going on because their dryer had overheated and the dryer had a fire coming out of it. And so I ran and uh, knocked on the front door, no one home. Front door was open, burst into the house, ran around inside, no one in there. Ran upstairs and I thought, right, got to uh, put the fire out, shut the door of the laundry into the rest of the house to contain it. Ran around the house, saw the fire hose, door with the laundry on the outside was locked. Smashed the window with my glass, with my hand and cut my arm and thought, oh, flip, this is getting dramatic, you know, I'm going to die before I put the fire out. Saw the blood starting to stream down my arm. Grabbed the hose, thought, Ruth, oh, that's right, thank you. Ruth sat back, having a cup of tea. Hurry up, will you keep it down? No, no. She's reminding me that she rang triple O, not 911. I just, I, I know, I, I got a good friend, incredibly intelligent guy, the kind of guy that could quote John Dunn for that. I, I, I'm not identifying him that, but he famously had a fire and re- found himself ringing 911. Um, so there's all kinds of intelligence. Let's, let's say, you know, different. <laughs> so Ruth, um, rang Triple O. Um, oh, that's right. So I get the, the hose and I'm thinking, I'd like to have one of those you know, proper extinguishers, chemical fire, because I'm thinking water, electrical. I just prayed. I just squirted water all over this um, dryer, uh, put the fire out, uh, and then the fire brigade came, and uh, actually it started again. And, uh, and then they had the proper chemical stuff, and the laundry was all blackened, but it was contained. So fortunately, the whole house, because I'd shut the inside door, you know, it hadn't taken off. But what was interesting was the, um, oh, and then uh, my neighbour was very appreciative because he found out that he hadn't renewed his house insurance and his contents insurance and all his memorabilia and cigar collection and wine collection and sporting memorabilia and all that was saved. Uh, so he's loved me ever since, as he should, um, <laughs> you know, and... Um, uh, and so does my wife, because the blood made it kind of really dramatic, you know, like the hero kind of thing. So that was nice. Um, so if I'm ever in the bad books, I just remind Ruth, hey, I can s- stop fires, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. But what was interesting, the fire brigade said, uh, and you may know all about this, you know, critical point, uh, and you can see videos of it, because I looked at it uh, afterwards. You know, they can have a little fire in the corner of a room, and it doesn't look much, and then within seconds, the whole room, can be engulfed in flames because the heat's building up and that whole room can leap into another room and a whole house. And they said within four minutes, the house would have been beyond their assistance. 
they said this was, and it was only contained, but they said the heat, when they look at it and they can check, you know, all the smoke and they, they kind of figure and they, from experience, say, with another four minutes and they said even with all our hoses, we'd be just stopping it, burning the other houses. The whole thing would have gone. And I thought, man, that's powerful stuff. And, you know, that's what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in our lives, all-consuming. And, and not in a destructive sense unless you're talking about sin because there is a purifying element of fire. And it does burn away stuff that shouldn't be there. And um, and I should just see what I've got in my notes. Because we can, um, you know, we, we can live with stuff that shouldn't be there. Materialism and selfishness and, and being prideful and unteachable and unforgiving and jealous and all kinds of sin but the Holy Ghost can burn and purify but we get to choose we can put the fire out we can, that's why the Bible says don't quench the spirit because the spirit wants to burn and you decide whether you're going to put petrol on air and let the spirit burn or you can just put water on and there's all kinds of fire retardants Social sensibilities. Oh, I wouldn't want to lift my hands in church or yell or get too excited. Because what would people think? Well, what does God think? What's the Holy Spirit wanting to do? Oh, I wouldn't want to talk out in public about him. Or, Well, the Holy Spirit's urging you to witness to that person, to offer to pray for them. Who are you going to stand before? Who's, you know, burning more importantly in your life? What someone else thinks or what you feel or you know or what God's wanting to do and so I get stirred when I think Holy Spirit what what needs to be burned out and burned up and what might be a priority that I'm standing in that I'm trying to put in your way that is really just quenching the Holy Spirit because nothing should be such a priority that it gets in the way of the will of God whatever he wants to do whichever way he wants to direct and so um, and and let me say this being on fire for God doesn't mean you have to be a wild, outgoing kind of person. It doesn't change our personality. It goes much deeper than that. Um, you know, John Wesley, the revivalist, he brought amazing uh, revival to, to England in the 1700s and on into America. But he was known as being quite a calm person. Some people have written about him saying that he was actually often very quiet in his preaching. And I picked up an old uh, biography about him at a church in Bristol in England where th- that is still there, his, his church that he started. Um, and in this biography, uh, it talks about how dramatically people were affected under his preaching because the power of the Holy Spirit was there and the fire of the Holy Ghost and the spirit of... Of, of God was moving. And they, it, it says this in this uh, biography. The revival had hardly begun when those strange convulsions, which have been a perplexity or a stumbling block to so many people, began to occur. So even back then, there were people falling and shaking and, you know, screaming out. And he goes on talking about people yelling out. And, uh, and he said there was an intent an intensity and directness in Wesley's appeals which entered the hearts of his hearers like arrows of fire. 
And Wesley simply believed that it was the Spirit of God at work. And so he was just focusing, and they reckon he wasn't as wild as, say, um, Whitfield at the same time, uh, but people were touched and on fire in the Holy Spirit. And we need that same Spirit at work within us. I'm going to ask the musos to come, and we're going to use the time we've got left to sing that song we were singing about, oh, God, that you would come like a burning fire. And... Uh, and I want to pray, and I'm going to get Ruth to help me pray uh, also. Uh, if you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, never spoken in tongues, never felt that empowerment that God can bring in your life, or maybe you just want to be rekindled in your fire for God. It doesn't have to be, you know, a, a one-off. We need to be totally, continually immersed in God, in the Spirit of God, letting Him direct us and lead us. It's that, let me say this, it's not that we become irrational. It's, it's, you know, the faith we are talking about is a rational faith, but it's also a full-on spiritual faith. And some people have gone to one extreme or the other. Some Pentecostals have left their brain at the door, and, ah, 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 yabba dabba do, you know, and it's all a little bit silly, let's, let's face it. And then you've got others that say, yes, well, that is a little bit silly. So we're just going to study the Greek and do an exegesis of this chapter for 40 years and we're going to just study the Bible like a textbook and be very sensible about it too. You know, and it's like, okay, you can be sensible and spiritual. Come on, you can be rational and you can be really on fire for God. That's God's will for us. Come on, let's stand up. We're going to sing. If you want the fire of the Holy Spirit, as I said, maybe for the first time, baptized in the Holy Spirit with the gift of tongues and other indwelling empowerment from God, or maybe you just want to be put back on, on the on the hot plate for God. You just feel like you're out in the cold and you want to be put on the coals and you need the, the fire rekindled and the wind of the Holy Spirit to breathe on you and blow those embers back into a burning passion that you live beyond yourself, beyond for something that's greater than your own life but for God's purposes and you feel God wanting to move in you in that way. Most importantly, you need to give your life to Christ. If you've never done that, if you don't know Jesus personally, then come forward. If you're with a friend, they'll bring you here and we can pray for you to meet with Jesus. Come forward as we sing. Come right now. Power of God. Even if you need healing in your body, we're praying and believing for that as well. The power of God. The Spirit of God. hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.